Welcome to the podcast. This is Dr. Sean Canone, and for this episode, I'm going to change things up just a little bit. I want you to imagine for a moment that it's October 2nd, 2019. You pull into your nursing home's parking lot and make your way inside. It's just a very typical Wednesday morning to you. You go to the nursing meeting in the morning and find out there were two admissions during the previous night, and you begin to think about how you might strategize your day to meet the needs of the population that you serve. A couple of hours into the morning, after addressing a few of the more time-sensitive, urgent clinical concerns that you were made aware of by nursing, you make your way to the skilled unit to visit and evaluate these two new admissions from the previous night. Your goal in these visits is not to replace the attending physician who is still required by federal regulation to perform that initial comprehensive clinical assessment, but oftentimes the attending physician's visit is not very timely. And so we are often relied upon to address some of the immediate concerns that the patient may be having and to ensure that the transition from the hospital to the skilled nursing facility is as seamless and safe as possible from a clinical perspective. You go through your usual routine, evaluating the patient, gathering records from the hospital, reviewing laboratories and diagnostic testing, reviewing the admission orders, and performing a medication reconciliation. You talk to the patient and their responsible party, speak with the attending physician, identify any new clinical concerns or risks, and begin to think about how to best plan for this patient's care moving forward. But today, something is very different about this admission process especially in skilled nursing facilities where the attending physician's timing of their comprehensive initial assessment is unpredictable or taking place more than a week after admission, or in a skilled nursing facility where the clinical documentation of the attending physician at the time of their initial assessment is not very robust, lacking in accuracy or completeness, or where the attending physician has very little willingness or time to engage with nursing in a more meaningful way around the time of admission and care plan development. So the difference that you notice in October 2019 is an intensity on the part of nursing, particularly the MDS nurse, to more actively engage you in regard to these two new admissions. There's a bit of nervousness, uncertainty, and anxiety that is palpable on the part of nursing and administration There is fear of the unknown, and you are seemingly caught in the midst of it. Welcome to PDPM. Now, many of you may have already heard of PDPM, but for those who have not, I want to take some time to just explain it in its very basic form. PDPM is the patient-driven payment model. It's a complete overhaul of the skilled nursing facility prospective payment system for skilled Medicare Part A patients. PDPM will replace resource utilization groupings or RUGS, that system that's been in place for about 25 years now. So it's understandable that skilled nursing facilities will be a little bit nervous when this implements fully on October 1st. For some background, it might be good to have a basic understanding of how a nursing home gets paid for the services they provide to Medicare patients who are skilled, that is, receiving their Part A benefit after a qualifying three-night hospital stay or via a waiver program. Traditionally, the skilled nursing facility would perform an MDS, or minimum data set, assessment upon admission and at various regular intervals throughout the skilled stay that would determine, based on nursing and therapy needs, what per diem or daily rate Medicare would pay the facility to care for that patient. 
Under the new value-based purchasing arrangement in skilled nursing facilities, CMS will now tailor that daily payment rate much more closely to the patient's actual clinical needs and complexity. These clinical needs and complexity will now be driven heavily by ICD-10 coding. In a way, this will be very similar to how Medicare reimburses Medicare Advantage plans based on the patient's clinical complexity and needs. So beginning in October, more than ever, skilled nursing facilities will need a very accurate and complete record of active clinical diagnoses with corresponding ICD-10 codes so as to most fully represent the complexity and clinical needs of the patient that they're caring for. This information is then submitted electronically to CMS via the minimum data set assessment and a reimbursement rate is generated. In short, the ICD-10 diagnoses will be crucial for mapping the patient into certain clinical categories and risk buckets within PDPM, and this mapping will have a direct effect on the per diem payment to the skilled nursing facility. But here's an interesting twist. There are no longer multiple regularly scheduled MDS assessments done throughout the course of the patient's skilled stay in a skilled nursing facility. There is actually only one planned MDS assessment, This is the admission assessment, which is called a five-day assessment. This initial assessment must be completed and submitted to CMS by day eight of the skilled nursing stay. So this initial MDS sets the nursing home per diem payment schedule for the duration of that patient's skilled stay. There is also a requirement for skilled nursing facilities to perform an MDS discharge assessment. And at their discretion, they can also submit what's called an IPA, or interim payment assessment, if the patient were to have a significant change in condition during their skilled Part A stay. The IPA would then become very important to help adjust the payment rate to account for the higher complexity of care associated with that significant change in condition. So the real question for today is, how might PDPM affect your skilled nursing facility, and maybe better, What might they be looking for from us as clinicians as PDPM is implemented? And maybe a better way to look at this is to see it from our perspective and ask ourselves the question, how might we be a better partner to our skilled nursing facilities as PDPM is implemented? Well, as we've seen already, the initial MDS assessment becomes a very crucial submission for skilled nursing facilities in generating that per diem reimbursement rate So it will be incredibly important for them to get this done in a timely fashion, but also that the information contained within this MDS assessment be as complete and accurate as possible. So here are at least four things that come out of this practically that we need to be aware of and be prepared for come October 1st, 2019. First, the issue of timely visits. The skilled nursing facility will need very timely clinical assessment of patients within the first few days of admission. Additionally, if the patient has a significant change in condition during the course of their skilled stay, they will really want a clinical assessment done within 24 to 48 hours to be able to capture the necessary information for that IPA MDS submission. And this is important because they want to be able to capture ICD-10 codes and make sure that their submissions correlate directly with the clinician's notes. This brings us to the second practical issue, which is documentation. The skilled nursing facility will want clinicians to be as complete and accurate as possible in their clinical documentation, especially around these admission assessments and if that IPA MDS submission is going to be undertaken. It also means that our documentation has to be completed in a very timely fashion so that it's accessible 
to the nursing facilities as they're completing these MDS assessments. The third issue is participation. As a valued member of the interdisciplinary team, we as clinicians will need to have a willingness to work as a team player. There may be times when we need to dedicate a few moments helping to clarify a diagnosis, helping to gather and make sense of records being sent with the patient from the hospital. We need to be available to skilled nursing facility staff as they are in these very time-sensitive windows for MDS submission. We may need to take a little extra time with a family or calling an outside physician to gain clarity into various clinical aspects of our patients. We'll also need to be willing to work more closely with ancillary services within the skilled nursing facility, in particular the consultant pharmacist and therapists. Finally, we will need to deliver high-quality patient care. We are in our roles as clinicians because we are ultimately concerned about delivering good care to patients. We want to see them do well. We're not here ultimately concerned with how a skilled nursing facility gets paid, but in this new developing healthcare system, We always need to be focused on the value that we provide to all stakeholders. In regard to patient care, our highest priority, we want to first realize that there's complexity. And we know this. We've seen over the past decade the trends toward higher acuity, higher complexity patients as hospitals move them out more quickly. But PDPM will incentivize skilled nursing facilities to take on these higher complexity patients And now there will be a more specific approach to reimbursement for these patients that will begin to reward skilled nursing facilities for the work that they are doing. Another way that we can help to drive good patient care is to ensure that our patients get the resources they need at the skilled nursing facility. One of the ways that we can do this is to make sure that the skilled nursing facility has a very clear, accurate, and complete picture of the patient in terms of their clinical complexity. So this comes back then to the way that we document and the way that we code our patients' diagnoses. A third area that relates directly to providing high-quality patient care is timeliness of visits, and we've seen how important this is under PDPM, but this is also an essential piece to providing good patient care and trying to improve clinical outcomes. It's also important to note that PDPM does put added emphasis on the care we deliver around the time of healthcare transitions. So we play an incredibly important role in getting patients safely admitted to skilled nursing facilities and helping them to safely discharge home from skilled nursing facilities. The last area I want to touch on is in regard to utilization. As we know, there's a lot of waste in healthcare in the form of unnecessary utilization, and PDPM will emphasize this to a much greater degree than in the past payment model. There will be incentives for managing patients more aggressively over the first few days of skilled nursing admission and incentives to get patients better more quickly and reduce sniff length of stay. Well, let me just summarize by answering the question, what can you do practically to prepare for PDPM? And as you've seen, this is a fairly complex topic and we've just scratched the surface. It's not one that clinicians must know in detail. However, it's very important that we understand the basics to gain a better appreciation for the way that business gets done in the skilled nursing facility. With this in mind, if you'd like more information on PDPM, there are excellent resources online through cms.gov. Additionally, we have created a full PowerPoint program with voiceover that's housed in our library and available to you at any time should you want more depth of understanding of PDPM. Beyond that, here are the next steps. Check out some of these additional educational resources. 
ask a lot of questions. Feel free to ask them here internally, but also ask them at the level of the skilled nursing facility in which you practice. What are they doing to prepare for this? What are the expectations that they have for its implementation? How will this affect their operations, their staffing, and how will it affect the expectations they have of you? Next, be committed to making timely visits and providing quality documentation and actively participating as a valued member of the interdisciplinary team. And finally, be patient as PDPM implements, especially when you're pulled off task or when you're asked to help in some new way. It will take some time to adjust to PDPM, but as long as we keep our eyes focused on delivering good patient care and being a good partner to the skilled nursing facilities in which we practice, we should be successful. We expect that PDPM will cause some significant anxiety for skilled nursing facilities as they learn to navigate this massive change in reimbursement, but ultimately, I believe this is a necessary change to better align patient care to patient needs, and we have a role to play here. Well, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. I hope this is beneficial to you in your practice, and we look forward to our next episode. In the meantime, if you have any questions about today's content or you have an idea for a topic for a future podcast episode, please feel free to email me at any time.